Good morning. Morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. There we go. Yes, yes. This nine o'clock group, you're still a little on the sleepy side the last couple of weeks. You know, by the time the folks come in at 11, they're wide awake. I just want you to know, they're, they're wide awake. A couple of things before we get into the message this morning. Don't forget that this coming Wednesday is our annual Pi Fellowship. We get a jump start on Thursday around here. So if you'd like to be a part of that and uh, bring a pie for uh, Wednesday night uh, for our service, uh, please see Amanda Mason or email her about that. Don't forget Friday, this coming Friday, we're having a team come and help decorate the church for the Christmas holiday season. If you'd like to help us out, men and women, we need both. Uh, please see Marty Varnes about that or uh, see one of us in leadership and we'll get you the details about that. And don't forget gals, coming up on Thursday, December the 1st is your Christmas dinner, right? Uh, so uh, gals of the Oasis, don't forget to go out there and sign up for that as well. We're uh, in a series out of the Gospel of Luke. We've called it the story of Jesus. And today we're in chapter 9, the first 27 verses. And Jesus has been calling disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. One who has not only come to believe in Jesus as their Savior, but one who is willing to follow Jesus the rest of their life. Therefore, all disciples are Christians, because that's how you start, but not all Christians are disciples, okay? And Jesus is in the midst of training, teaching, and mobilizing these disciples of his and sending them out into the world. And he wants us, even today, as his church, to make disciples. His assignment uh, his goal has not changed in the last couple thousand years. It's still all about calling people to discipleship today, right? And there's two reasons why. One is because Jesus wants to form a team of people that can make a positive impact in the world in which we live, okay? And there's no better people to do that than disciples, those who are truly devoted to him. The second reason why Jesus calls us to be his disciples is because it's only through discipleship. It's only through not just believing in him, but following him that we learn who we were created to be. That unique personal identity that Jesus made us with. In fact, you get this if you look in verse 25 first of chapter 9, you see there where Jesus, his own words, he says, what profit is it if a person gains the whole world? That's a lot, because the world offers a lot, and yet loses or forfeits themselves. Jesus is saying, you can pursue all that the world offers you, but you will never come to know who I created you to be that way. You will never know your unique personal identity through the things of the world. 
The only way we come to know who he created us to be in our unique personal identity is by following him as a disciple. That's why, can I say here, that's why many Christians still to this day, they don't know who they really are, or who God created them to be because they're a Christian. They've come to faith in Christ, but they've never went beyond that and truly committed themselves to being a disciple. So we're going to talk about discipleship today. We're going to talk about a calling, a confession, and a cross, all part of what Jesus says makes up being a disciple. In fact, the calling is sort of built on the foundation of our confession and our cross. So let's talk about these this morning. And I want you to know, for those of you that take notes and all of that, that accompanying each of these, there's going to be a couple of words to associate with it. For the calling, I want you to write down, I can. I can. Because that's where Jesus wants to move all of us as disciples to within this calling, is to say, not I won't or I can't, but I can't. Let's begin by looking at the calling that Jesus is giving here. You'll notice in chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says he calls the 12 together. And he's calling them together unto himself. So notice Jesus is all about not just having this personal relationship with us, but within that personal relationship, calling us into a community with others and then calling all of us to himself. That's where it starts. Before God ever wants us to do something for him or he wants to send us out to, you know, serve and all of that, he first calls us to himself first, okay? He calls us to be with him before we do for him, okay? To be before we do. So many times we're doing instead of being. Jesus calls us to himself. That's the first part of the calling. Then you'll notice he gave them power and authority over all demons. Keep that in mind for next week. And over all diseases. Wow. You mean that when I grow to the point where I understand what discipleship is all about, I understand that God has granted me authority and power in my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. He gives all of his followers power and authority to be able to live and minister every day in his name and for him. What are we doing with the power and authority that he's given us? Are we using it? Are we using it to live by? Are we using it to minister? Are we using it to make a difference in this world? God has given us his power and authority. Paul talks about the fact that you and I have the same power living within us through the presence of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. The Bible says that Jesus, when he gave the great commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, said, all authority and power has been given to me because I am the Son of God, the triumphant Son of God who conquered death, and now you are to go in my power and authority and make disciples. Do we realize the power and authority that he has given us? So notice the first part of this is he calls us. The second part of that calling, though, is he gives us. He gives us. 
resources, provision to be able to do the things that he asks us to do. Then the third part of that calling is he sends. Notice it says he sent them out and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Notice a couple of things as he sends. It's his mission, not ours. He's the one doing the sending. So it's not like we have to come up with what we are to do. We get that direction from him. He's the one that defines the mission. And it's a very, in this case, just like it would be with us, it's a very specific mission that he sends them out on. When you and I are living the calling of God as a disciple, he will first call us to himself and call us together to himself. He will then grant us and give us everything that we need to carry out our calling. Then he will tell us and send us out with a very detailed and defined mission of what that calling is. Now the next part is, he says to them, take nothing with you. Notice that. Why is he doing that? Well, he calls us, he gives, he sends, and then he speaks to us. We don't ever have to worry as we're fulfilling the calling that God has for each of us that somehow God's not going to tell us what we are to be doing and how we are to be doing it. Because notice Jesus says, I don't want you to take anything with you. What's he trying to teach disciples here? He's saying that if I'm asking you to do something, you can trust me alone to provide what you need, and I'm teaching you to live in total dependence upon me. I don't want you to have it all figured out, because you won't. It's going to be bigger than you can figure out. And two, I don't want you to look to anybody else. I may use somebody else, but I want you to look to me to provide everything you need. And then notice as part of that, he tells them all the things they're not to take. <laughs> Did you notice that there in verses 3, 4? Don't take this, don't take... I mean, so what's Jesus saying? He's giving them the principle of traveling light through life with very little excesses. Oh, do we need to hear that today. Because we live in a world today where every week I'm seeing new storage places built around here. Because not only do we have enough to fill our houses with, but we've got so much that then we need extra space to be able to stuff and store everything in because we are a people of excess. We have way more than what. And Jesus is trying to get us to see, look, the best way to be my disciple is to travel light through life and not have a lot of excess baggage because I'm going to be asking you to, to adapt and move and do all these things. And just like anything that's bigger, it takes much longer to steer something or move something the, the more weight it's got, you know? I, we even saw this a couple years ago as a smaller church during the pandemic and stuff. We were able to adapt much quicker to the changing circumstances and what was going on around us in some of the bigger churches because they're like a big Titanic ship, you know, to try to turn them and move them. It just takes, but to a small little motorboat, a <laughs> lot quicker, right? 
That's the way Jesus wants his disciples to go through life. Travel light and don't have a lot of excess. So, notice the first four aspects of the calling. He calls, he he gives, he sends, and he says or he speaks. Then if you go up to verse 10, I know I'm skipping a little bit here today, but God has a very specific message he wants us all to hear today. So the disciples come back. They return from going out. And they tell Jesus in verse 10 everything that they've done. And what does Jesus do next? He takes them. And he takes them and withdraws them and takes them to a private place, a place called Bethsaida, to rest, to recover, to be refreshed, to take a break. Because Jesus understands something. You and I can't keep going at the pace we go without taking breaks every once in a while. So even as, you know, the leader, he's trying to teach his followers, look, it's great that you have such a great work ethic and that you're willing to throw your all into what I've called you to do, but I want you to know that as your Savior who looks out after you and cares about you and loves you, I also want to give you times of breaks. And you need to be willing to take breaks every once in a while because you need breaks so that spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you don't get run down. Or as we call it in Christianity for the last 50 years, burned out. So many Christians get burned out for what they are doing because they've not followed the Lord in his advice and his example of taking necessary and needed breaks after intense times of ministry or just after prolonged times of ministry. Jesus taught his disciples, yes, go into the fray, give it all you got, but when you come back, we're going to take a couple days off and we're going to rest and we're going to be refreshed and we're going to learn to relax instead of staying at that pace over and over and over again. There's a great book. I uh, have recommended it probably for the last 30 years, about as much as any other book because so many people deal with stress and anxiety. It's called The Anxiety Cure is the name of the book by Dr. Archibald Hart. Best book I think it's ever been written on stress and anxiety. And one of the, the quotes of Dr. Hart is that God meant for us to live life at camel speed. And we're living far from camel speed. And he said that's part of the reason why we see even in our society and even amongst Christians, those who are physically, emotionally, and spiritually breaking down because they are not taking the breaks that God built in to us that we need to be able to take. So, He calls, he gives, he sends, he speaks, he takes. Notice, though, next, he welcomes. Because the crowd, oh, they found him. He couldn't hide for long, not that he wanted to hide forever. And the Bible says, guess what? Jesus welcomed all of them enthusiastically, by the way, in the original language. Because that's who Jesus is. And that's who he wants his disciples to be that he welcomes every 
last single individual because every human being is of great worth and value to God. Do you know that he welcomes every one of you today and those of you who are watching live stream today from your homes, wherever you are? He welcomes you. He opens up his arms to you. There is no one that Jesus ever pushes away. There's no one that Jesus ever feels is unimportant or not as valued or worth as, as the next person. He welcomes everybody. And he wants us to do the same as his disciples. And then one final thing. You'll notice this very sort of famous story of the feeding of the thousands of people with the five loaves and two fishes. So after he calls, after he gives, after he sends, after he says, after he takes, after he welcomes, the last part of the call is he fills them. He fills them. And yes, he's filling them up physically, but it is also figuratively speaking of the fact that Jesus is the only one that can truly fulfill and satisfy our soul as a human being. He took the five loaves and two fishes, it says in verse 16 and 17. He broke it, he blessed it, he gave thanks for it, and he began to pass it out. And the Bible says that all those thousands of people on the hillside that day were satisfied. Did you see that word in verse 17? That word means to be fulfilled, to be filled to the gills. In other words, Jesus kept feeding them all the fish and bread that they wanted and kept multiplying that little boy's lunch until every single person was filled to the gills. They couldn't eat anything else. And oh, by the way, little but very important detail at the end of verse 17, there just happened to be 12 baskets of leftovers. Guess who they were for? The 12 disciples. And you know why Jesus did that? He wanted to teach his disciples here as part of the calling is if you look out for the interests of others, you can trust me to look out for you. It wasn't like because he's using the disciples and he's doing this miracle through them so that they can see what he can do through them. And yet it wasn't like, oh, everybody else got fed, but now the 12 disciples were going to go hungry. No, no, no. There was a basket full for each of them too just like there will be for us. See, we don't have to worry when we're looking out for others that somehow there's nobody looking out for us. God's always looking out for us. He will provide. We can trust him. Well, you remember at the beginning of this whole thing on the calling, I said, I also want you to write down the words, I can. Why are you saying it? Because so far I haven't seen any of that, right? Look at verse 13. Before Jesus even does the miracle, Jesus turns to his disciples and he makes a very powerful statement. He says to them, you give them something to eat, which was on the heels of the disciples are looking at the sun going down. There's thousands of people. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Think about here. Some of you know where we live, way out there in the superstitions. It can get pretty desolate pretty quick out there, right? So we're out there, we're in the middle of the desert, there's no bashes or fries or Safeways or anything around, there's thousands of us out there, and uh, what are we going to do to feed all these people? 
So the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, uh, you, better, you better tell these people to get packing and get back into the city so that they can find something to eat. And that's when Jesus looks at the 12 of them and says, you give them something to eat. Jesus, look at this need. We got nothing but five loaves and two fish that we found in this little boy's lunch. Sorry, that's not going to cut it. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Because Jesus wants to teach us something about being his disciple in the midst of this calling that he gives all of us. And that is that whatever Jesus asks us to do, he will enable us to do it. And that if we trust him, disciples will be able to do things that they could have only dreamed of doing, things that would blow their mind, that they would never have thought that they could do when they do it in partnership and association with Jesus. See, that's what Jesus is trying to get all of us to see in the calling that he has for us as a disciple, is that he will call us to himself. He will give us power and authority and everything that we need. He will send us on a very defined mission, uh, one that fits us because he created us for this, right? And then he'll speak to us and he'll guide us all along the way, giving us great advice and counsel about how to do what he's asked us to do. Then after we get done or as we're even doing it, he'll tell us, take a break. You can't keep going at that pace. And then he'll, we'll see him welcome all these people and he wants us to be welcoming as well. And then we find out that if we pursue him as a disciple and follow his calling in our life, there is nothing more fulfilling and satisfying that we could ever be a part of. Because that's what he does. He fills us. Not just physically. He fills us emotionally. He fills us spiritually. And we are filled up in him. That's the calling. But that calling is then based on a confession and a cross. Notice verse 18. Let's talk about the confession. And with the confession, again, if you're taking notes, write these words. I say. Not I can. I say. By the way, I hope you think you can now. I hope you've been encouraged to know I can. Not I can't, but I can. As Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where Jesus wants to get all of his disciples. When you come to verse 18, though, it says that Jesus one day was out praying by himself, which, again, he's leading by example. He's just modeling for them. He's not just teaching them about prayer at times. He's literally praying, and they're catching the vision from Jesus. And then the Bible says, though, that the disciples were nearby. Don't miss that phrase in verse 18. You know why that's important? Because that's the posture of where disciples will always be. Disciples will always be nearby Jesus. They will always be close. They will always be in close proximity to him because that's who they are. They are devoted followers. They're not following Jesus from a distance. They're following him closely. And as they are nearby, Jesus then turns to them and he asks them this question. Who do all these people say that I am, the crowds that are following? And they answered. They said, well, some of them have you and John the Baptist as one of the same people. 
Uh, others say that you're Elijah who's come back, which that's predicted. And then they said, well, others of, of them say that you're one of the great prophets from the Old Testament who's risen from the dead. And then Jesus turns to them and asks them this very important question. Who do you say that I am? Because it really doesn't matter at the end of the day what others say who Jesus is, what their confession is. It's really personal. Who do you say that I am? Who do you confess me to be? Because if we're a disciple, it's not about just parroting or repeating what someone else says. And by the way, it's not just about saying something because anybody can say anything. When Jesus says, who do people say that I am? It's saying what I truly believe. It is saying what will shape my life continually. It is saying something with confidence and conviction. That's what he means when he says, who do you say that I am? Because again, we can say anything. No, what do you really believe? What are you saying about me with confidence and conviction? And Peter speaks up right away without hesitation and says, you are the Christ of God. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one that all the Old Testament has been predicting all these millennia. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now, at this point, you'll notice Jesus shuts them down and says, I don't want you to say anything about this yet because in God's timetable, it wasn't time. But that's not the case anymore. But here's the deal. Jesus, in order for us to truly be disciples, we've got to continually be confessing and saying who Jesus is to us. Can you say today with confidence and conviction that you know who Jesus is? You have that kind of belief and that that belief, that conviction, that confession of yours literally shapes your life every day. It determines your life every day. It drives your life every day because of who you say Jesus to be. And again, Jesus isn't saying, saying it once and then that's it. It's continually saying and speaking it out loud. Jesus, this is who I believe you to be. Do you know who I say Jesus is? I say Jesus is my creator and my savior. I say Jesus is the angel of the Lord. He is my wonderful counselor, my mighty God, my everlasting father, my prince of peace. Who do you say Jesus is? I say that my Jesus is my rock, my shelter, my tower of strength. I say that my Jesus is my bread of life and my light of life. He is my good shepherd. He is my resurrection and my life. He is the way, the truth in my life. Who do you say Jesus is for you? I say that my Jesus is the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He is the first and last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the King of nations. He is the King of peace. And he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who do you say Jesus is? 
Who do you say that I am? You see, Jesus calls us to be his disciples because within that calling, that following that calling will shape our life. And we will find who we really are in that calling. Why does Jesus ask us to confess? Because within continually confessing who we believe Jesus to be, that will shape our life. And we will find who we really are and make a positive impact in this world. But there's one other part as Jesus is training, if you will, this group of disciples. And that might be the hardest one of all. That's a cross. And you see that in verses 23 through 27. And with the cross, I want you to write the words, I want. In the calling, it was, I can. In the confession, it is, I say. In the cross, it is, I want. Notice what Jesus says in verse 23. If anyone wants to be my follower, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wants to save their life, hold on to it, do what they want to do, and not surrender to me, they're going to lose it. They're going to lose themselves. But if they are willing to surrender their life and everything they have to me, they will find their life. They will know who I, their own creator, created and designed them to be, and they will find that unique personal identity that I placed within each of them when I created them a cross a cross and notice though Jesus isn't exclusive here he says if anyone there's no human being who who God ever excluded from becoming a disciple if that's what they really wanted it's open to everybody but not everybody wants to be a disciple because with being one of his disciples, that means I've got to say no to self. That means I've got to die to self daily. That's what it means by denying myself and taking up my cross. The people in Jesus' day knew exactly what that meant. A cross was death. And Jesus is saying the only way one can really be my disciple is when we put self on the back burner instead of up front and following him, accompanying him as a disciple would every single day. Is that what we really want, though? By the way, this word want is a determined desire a desire that will shape our life every day. And can I say that's again why many Christians never become disciples. Because when Jesus truly painted the picture of what it was like to be a disciple, even in his day, most people are like, nope, that's not what I want. <laughs> I don't want that. 
I want something else. And Jesus says, fine. He gives us all a free will. It's up to us. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, come on. Because in following me, you will find yourself. You will know who you were created to be. That unique personal identity. Can I tell you, that, that's one of the reasons why, as we continue to move along the road of history, more and more people don't know who they are. Why do we live in a world today where so many people struggle with personal identity? I don't know who I am. I don't know who I was created to be. I don't know this. I don't know that. I mean, they, they have no idea. It's because they've been disconnected from their creator. And, and they have no clue. They just grope around in life trying this and, and following after the world with this. And, other, and they never find themselves, even though they tragically spend their whole life trying to find themselves. And they're never fulfilled. They're never satisfied. They never are content. It's always going after the next thing, hoping that that's the thing that's finally going to fill that void in their life. And I am just here to tell you, based upon the authority of Scripture, the only one that can help us find ourselves and fulfill us totally and completely is the Lord Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with him. And then beyond that, being willing to follow him. And not just monthly, not just weekly, but notice the word daily. That's important. Daily. Every day. Saying, nope, not my will, but Jesus, what do you have for me today? That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want what other people want for me. I don't even want what I want for myself because I don't even know what I want. I want what you want for me, Lord. That's what I want. Is that what we want? Because that's what the cross is going to mean. That I want to follow Jesus no matter the sacrifice, no matter the cost. Here's another reason why most people don't choose this path for their life. The Bible has this great sort of characterization of human beings living in the last days. Paul writes about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And do you know what the number one sort of summary uh, description of people living in the last days is according to the Bible and the Apostle Paul? Selfish. Selfish. Looking out for themselves more than anyone or anything else. Well, that totally goes against what it means to be a disciple. It's exactly the opposite. That that the Bible tells us that in the last days, the majority of people on earth are going to be selfish. They're only going to think about themselves. And can I tell you, that is illustrated every day on the highways around Phoenix. 
I'm sitting out there every day sort of in, in traffic in fear because there are people just driving all around me and all they're thinking about is themselves. They're not considering all the other cars and the other lanes and what's going on. They have no clue. They're either staring at their phone or they're daydreaming and, you know, you're trying to merge into traffic and they don't even know you're around and it's, it's, it's all about them. And yet Jesus says the way of being a disciple is totally the opposite. It is living a life where we're considering everyone else around us before we're thinking of ourselves all the time. And it's not that we don't think about ourselves at all. In fact, Paul says, look out for the interests of others just like you look out for your own. Be considerate. Think about how it's going to affect other people. That's the way of a disciple. If anyone wants to follow me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Jesus, in his day while he was here on earth, was trying to take this group of people and, and shaping them into being a force that would turn the world upside down. And they did in the book of Acts. Read about it. But it was because they were disciples, not just because they were Christians. And these were people who truly knew who they were created to be because they were disciples, not just Christians. And Jesus is doing the same thing today. He's saying, I'm so thankful that you believe in me as your Savior. But now I want you to follow me as my disciple. Is that what you want? Is that truly what you want? Months ago, when we talked about this and scheduled this communion Sunday between Nicole and Teresa and I, I was looking at the passage that I was teaching on, and I was going, Lord, how does that fit in with communion? And then it was like God had to open up my eyes. He says, it has everything to do with communion. Because I didn't just come here to die on the cross for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven, so that I could establish a relationship with you, so that you could commemorate that every so often. That's part of it. But the whole of it or the all of it is I also did all of that so that you could be my disciple. I thought, wow, God, you're right. It's not just about salvation. It's about discipleship. So here's what I'd like to do today, specifically for this Sunday. In just a few minutes, the worship team's going to come and there's going to be folks who are going to uh, assist in passing out the elements this morning, the bread and the cup that symbolizes his body and his blood. What I'd like us to do today as a church is not just commemorate and celebrate what our Lord has done for us. That is part of it. It always needs to be part of it. But I want us to think about when we take those elements in today, what's your response to what Jesus has said here in Luke chapter 9? Who do you say that he is? And If you're thankful to be a Christian, that's great. How about becoming a 
disciple. Is that what you want more than anything else? And when you take those elements in, I want us to think about that today. What do I really want out of life? What am I going after? What am I pursuing? Jesus is saying to all of us, the greatest pursuit we could ever have in our life is to pursue him and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to ask the folks to get into place. And I'm going to ask you to just join me for a moment while they're all getting into place in prayer. Father, we thank you today for the time that we've already had in your house. And Lord, we know that you are here. Your presence is being felt amongst us today. You're speaking to us. You're encouraging us. You're refreshing us. There's all kinds of things that you're doing here. But Lord, I also believe you're calling us. You may be calling some for the very first time to believe in you because they've never truly believed in you. They know about you, but they've never really committed and, and, and said with conviction and confidence that they know that you are the Christ and that, that you are their creator and their savior and that that confession is literally shaping them every day of their life. But Lord, you're also calling us to be disciples today. To move beyond just being a Christian. And to say that we want more than anything else to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that that's the heart that we come to with here today. So help us, Lord, as the elements are being passed out and our worship is, is commenced that, Lord, we'll just take some time just between us and you and let you do something in our hearts and in our minds. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.